0: Welcome to Strut It, a place where CEOs and entrepreneurs circle up and get real about how hard and deeply rewarding this whole forging your own path thing is. As a bold dreamer and innovator, it can feel like your house burns down 50 times each day as you try to build the non-conventional life you love. In this podcast, we will dance with the flames of uncertainty, self-doubt, and money scarcity as we build the business empire of our dreams so that we no longer fear the fire, but welcome the heat. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marberry, and I built a six-figure dance studio business from a Craigslist ad and a brilliant idea. Together, we strut through the flames of business ownership, sharing the crucial mindsets, strategies, and collaborations of a life and business dance full out. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am excited to sit down today and talk about how to nail your productivity with an expert, Abigail Barnes. She is the productivity queen. She is the founder of Success by Design Training, an award winning entrepreneur, author, speaker, and corporate trainer on time management and productive well being. She is a qualified coach and creator of the renowned 888 formula, which she is going to be teaching us today. So Abigail, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today.
0: Woo-hoo. All right. Yeah. I feel like this conversation is so appropriate as we walk into 2022 and everyone's kind of reevaluating what are my goals? What are my intentions? And I think where a lot of us get stuck is the actions, like what actions do we need to take to meet our goals? And so I'm super excited to talk about time management and productivity with you. But before we get into that, I know you have a really interesting story as to how you came to really value and treasure your time in a way like never before. So can you give everyone a little bit of background on how you landed here?
1: yeah so i guess i would describe myself as one of those people who used to say oh you know i, I have enough time i'll i'll do this next week it doesn't matter like things just have to be done but you eat sleep work repeat like you just don't i worked in finance and investment management asset management and hedge funds for over 10 years and it was sort of 60, 70 hour weeks and that was just normal. So prioritizing work was everything. And then when it came to what is your life? Oh, you, you don't have time for life and, and, and sleeping, you know, you can sleep when you're dead sort of, I was in that generation of all of the cliches of all of those motivational posts and everything that was being shared. And it was a badge of honor to work. It's a badge of honor to work hard, it was a badge of honour to be busy and it was a badge of honour to be the last one to leave the office and the first one to get there so I sort of climbed my way up the ladder um, going from job to job to, to get the pay rises to get the things and there was always something missing though and I kind of call it like a hole in my soul But when you don't know what you don't know, you try everything that everybody else is doing. So, you know, it was getting the handbags. So let's get the Prada handbag. Well, I get the handbag. That didn't make me feel better. Let's go to the parties. So we go to the parties. We go to another party, another party, another party. That didn't make me feel better. We go on the holidays. That didn't make me feel better. We go out drinking and we're drinking the Prosecco. We're drinking the champagne. That didn't make me feel better. So Elizabeth, I was just like, insanity doing the same thing over and over again as Einstein said expecting to get a different result and I just didn't and then one day my boss came to me and he said Abigail we're going to send you to America on a business trip like you've always wanted to travel with work we know this so so we're going to send you and I really felt like this was it Like, I don't know if your audience can identify, but there are times in our life when we are striving for something and and we say this sentence in our head, this is it. When I get this, this is it when I do that this is it so for me it was like this work business trip oh my goodness they're going to fly me to America they're going to fly me business class this is amazing I have made it I've got my Prada handbag I've got you know I've made time to get my hair done my nails done packed you know the whole shebang like I was on it so I arrive at the airport on the plane drinking the champagne more champagne madam I was like yeah of course because now I'm I'm this executive businesswoman and that's what we do on business class flights like I had no idea and um the the steward comes to me and says uh would you like some more champagne madam and I'm like yes please and he said we've actually run out in in um in this class and I was like oh okay he said I'll just go and get some from first class I was like okay fantastic So I was manifesting left, right, and center. Um, And so I'm, you know, I get off the flight. My friend collects me and takes me to her parents' house. We'd worked together in a hedge fund in London. She'd relocated back to New York, and her parents happened to live in Boston. So it just worked so well that we connected together in Boston, and we were going to have one of these all-American girl weekends because I'm based in London in the U.K., And I just always wanted to sort of be an American girl. I just watched all these movies, um, 90210 and all these shows. And I just, I don't know, in my head, I'd made up these stories. So I was imagining we were going to go to the, the coffee shop and have the coffees and all of this, yada, yada. And like, because now I've made it, right? We have dinner with her parents. We have Boston clam chowder, which her mum had made, you know, an authentic dish, had some more wine with dinner. So I go off to bed pretty, you know, pretty merry, shall we say. I wake up the next day and I have a headache. (laughs) Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that, of course, I'm going to have a headache on top of jet lag. So, you know, when my friend comes in and says, Abigail, let's get up, let's let's go. I couldn't move. I was like, my head really hurts. And um, I I just need to say, lay here for a minute. And then suddenly a load of symptoms came on very, very quickly. The room started to spin, black and white lights were flashing in front of my eyes. I felt like I needed to be sick. She directed me to the bathroom across the hallway. I couldn't make it. So I'm throwing up in a dustbin. I am like the worst house guest you can ever have. So I've gone from this business class flight with my Prada and champagne, and now I'm vomiting in a dustbin in my friend's parents' guest bedroom. I mean, talk about rock bottom. (laughs) And then her mom walks by the room and pokes her head in and says, morning girls, how are you? Sees me throwing up in the dustbin. And is like, oh, wow. Now to her mom's credit, She didn't jump to any conclusions. She started to ask me about my symptoms and then called an ambulance. Now, I thought at the time this was rather dramatic, but she said it didn't sound like it was a migraine, so she was going to call an ambulance. So it's 8 o'clock in the morning in Boston, (laughs) like in a residential area, and the, the ambulance comes, and thank goodness it came when it came because seconds before the ambulance came, I found myself in the bed, unable to breathe, and hitting what can only be described as death's door. And having a conversation with the creator, God, whatever you believe in, whatever you want to call it, saying, is this it? Is this the end? Have I, have I died? And hearing a voice coming back and saying, no, we're not ready for you yet. And I was just like,
0: wow. Okay. You actually heard a voice, like you
1: heard a voice telling you that. Yeah. Wow. And I was just like, right, okay. And then the ambulance crew come crashing into the room, and I like, are you drunk? Are you on drugs? What's wrong with you? Take me off to to the um, the hospital to sort of do some tests to investigate what has actually happened. And 24 hours after arriving in Boston in America, I am being woken up by a doctor having had all the tests and being told that at the age of 32, I'd actually had a stroke. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So it wasn't quite that I've made it I was looking for. Hmm. But the funny thing is, and I'm sure your audience will get this, and I'm sure that they have experienced situations maybe with their family with their friends or even you know situations with themselves where things haven't quite gone to plan is what happens to you actually ends up happening for you although you can't see it at the time and in those moments when i really thought that this was the end that i was actually going to die i realized i had been wasting my time wasting my life the most valuable commodity that we have had been putting off to tomorrow don't worry there's enough time I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow or when this happens or that happens or the other so that's really where it all started and that was 10 years ago um, next month on the 25th of February so that became the start of my real life because the life I was living before I wasn't living I was just existing like so many people that we probably all know
0: Yeah, I think so many people can relate to that feeling of happiness is off in a distant place and happiness is and contentment is when I get the thing or I get the promotion or, and what I'm hearing you say is that it really put everything into perspective for you. So my question to you is after your near death experience, do you feel that it anchored you more? into living from a present moment experience and living less in the future? Or what shifted for you after that day, after that moment when you thought you were gonna die?
1: Yeah, that is such a great question. So I guess um, there's two answers to that. There's the one answer that it did do all those things, but then there's the second answer, which is it took time. For this to then become the reality. And I think that we all can get sucked into this over glamorization of a fast forwarded social media reel or, or you know, um, dancing video or something of like before where it was and where it is now. This is 10 years in the making. But who I was before was 32 years in the making and that's not to say that it takes a lot of time it takes as long as it takes because it takes as long as you need to learn the lessons that you need to learn in order to become who you came here to be so this is a bit of a a spiritual answer in many ways but if we think of what happened an analogy might be like a snow globe so you you look at the snow globe and from the outside it looks like a, a, a really pretty picture but life the universe whatever you believe in or want to believe in um shakes it up and then the picture that you end up seeing after it's shaken it up and things have settled isn't the same picture because you're not the same person looking at it and this is the thing in life is that we are here to just make the most of the time that we have and to enjoy the time that we have and to achieve whatever we can achieve with that time without trying to be too overly prescriptive and analytical about it and with spreadsheets and like, if I do this, then this will happen because nobody really knows And I think that's one of the things I've learned on the journey. So it's been a journey of self-exploration and personal development. Um, And that wasn't necessarily what I was expecting or anticipating or wanting. But I think that this is something that just happens to us on our lives. If if we're fortunate, because I, I do truly believe that not everybody gets these awakenings. But I would say mine was in 2012. There's a lot of people I speak to things happened around 2012. Um, And then 2020 was a global awakening. 2021 seems to have been the year of the shadow and sort of going within and really assessing and reviewing. And I really feel like 2022 is going to be the year where the plants start to grow from the seeds that we have been sowing, if that makes any sense at all
0: oh my gosh it makes total sense and yeah when you were speaking i was thinking about how 2020 was a time that everybody took pause because they were forced to and everyone really looked at how they were spending their time and realizing wow i like all of these things that we were hooked into whether they were obligations or expectations are actually choices and that's not for every single thing and i understand there's a lot of privilege in even saying that but that it was a time it was a shake up and i agree i love that metaphor i was actually just sharing that with a client yesterday that metaphor of like planting the seeds and and putting in the fresh soil and then taking the time to nurture and water and let the sun come and i love your answer about how it wasn't just like that happened and life was, you know, different the next day, right? It, it takes time. And I love that you said it takes what it takes. That's definitely one of my sayings as an entrepreneur is that it just takes what it takes. And sometimes I wish it would, things would happen faster or differently, but the passion, um, and the purpose always drive me. And I, I, totally agree that 2022 is a time that our gardens are going to continue to grow and we get to nurture them. And so I would love to talk about some tangible ways that people can increase their productivity in 2022. And I would love for you to share the 888 formula with us. Um, I forgot to mention earlier, but Abigail has a new book that is out, which is incredible. It is called time management for entrepreneurs and professionals, how to turn time into productivity. And I would love to hear about this
1: eight, eight, eight formula
0: and how we can use it.
1: Yeah. I love that. So we've been having a conversation and we've sort of been down a bit of a spiritual path, if you like. Now I would describe myself as spiritually strategic or strategically spiritual so let's go into a bit of the strategy because we have to understand that the two are connected so we teach something called productive well-being which is recognizing that in order to be more productive you need to look after yourself you need to be a well being and all of this is so logical it's so obvious and we're like what but the reason that time management and time management training doesn't Typically, tend to work is because we know it, but we're not doing it. So, what are some practical, tangible things that you can do? The only way that I can get anybody to take an action, to take a step, is by helping them to recognize it's their time. The outcome of their time is their life. And if they want their life to be different, then they need to take different actions and so then we're flipping it we're reframing it. it's so so simple it's sort of, you know the most basic coaching techniques but we have to become this coach to ourselves and so this is what I talk about in my book It's 88 pages long it's short for a reason it's chatty for a reason the 888 formula takes up eight pages of the book because I want the book to be like a buffet where you take a little bit of everything and then you get excited and you go off down the avenue of the things you want to learn more about so the 888 formula sort of brings it all together it's the simplest way to divide your 24-hour day based on science and society so science says that we need to be sleeping between seven to nine hours. So let's call that eight. And society says that we should be working eight hours. So what's left is our life. The jam in the 888 sandwich, if you like, the middle. And in that middle eight is everything that's not sleeping or resting or working. So It's our hobbies. It's our personal development. It's our exercise. It's our relationships. It's our commute if we have to commute. It is buying the food, cooking the food, eating the food, cleaning up after the food and doing it again. It's buying the clothes, wearing the clothes, washing the clothes, putting the clothes away and doing it again. It's our life admin. It's everything. And when we start to recognize, wow, okay, so if I'm not sleeping and I'm not working, it's my life. So if I'm working a lot and I'm not sleeping, and the whole thing with it is it helps you to just instantly go, where's my time going? So in the book, we've got a five-step process um, to help you to turn your time into productivity. And step one is audit your time. You cannot change what you don't track. It's so boring, but it's so game changing. And we don't know what, what we don't do what we know. So common sense isn't common practice. And this is the whole challenge I have with the time management is people keep saying, yeah, I know that. I know that. I've read that. I'm like, "Hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, great. And I come from a place of no judgment because it's your life, you do what you want, but if you don't have enough time, believe me, you have enough time. So if you don't have enough time and you do have enough time and you're telling me you know that and you're not doing that, I'm gonna be a bit sort of like, okay, there's only one thing that's gonna happen here. You either do it or you don't know it. And they're like, what? I'm like, if you're not doing it, you don't know it. It's just information. I love that. The time audit.
0: So if someone were to audit their time, I've, I've heard of several different ways. Do you have a way that you do it? Like, you know, we're starting a new year. Do you recommend going back and looking at 2021 and looking at your calendar and going through and, or, I mean, as, as I'm asking you that question, I'm feeling myself overwhelmed. I'm like, so for someone who's easily overwhelmed by, by giant, you know, looking at 365 days a year, how I spent my time, what would be like a bite-sized way for someone like me who gets easily overwhelmed
1: to start to audit their time? I love, love, love this question. It is so simple. Like I so said, everything is just ABC. So In the book, it talks, first of all, in the book, it talks you through how to do it. A bonus comes with it, with a video that talks you through how to do it. And then there's a worksheet that you can print out, which shows you how to do it. For anybody who doesn't have the book, this is what you need to do. You don't look back at what's gone in the past. You draw a line in the sand. You audit your time from seven days from now. So for seven days, you write down everything from the moment you wake up to when you you know, take your shower, have your breakfast, walk your dog if you have one, um, what time you check your emails, what time you're you know, starting your work, your first call, what time you take a coffee break or a tea break, what time you have lunch, every single thing goes in this from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. Now, I would say half an hour chunks is enough. Some people like to do 15 minute chunks. If you're a lawyer, you're probably billing your time in five minute chunks. But for the sake of this exercise, 30 minutes. After you've done this for three or four days, you will start getting this itch to change things. I talk about this in the book, but I encourage you to do the full seven days because you're going to get more and more clarity and it's going to be reinforced more and more and more as the time goes on to the point when you get to day seven where you just have to make the changes and things have to change. If you did it on day four, there wouldn't be enough um, incentive it would be like oh yeah I am clearly spending a lot of time scrolling on the internet that would you know get me back half an hour a day an hour a day so one of the things we say with all of this is that you can definitely be reclaiming an hour a day some people I have worked with have been able to reclaim two hours a day it just depends what your sort of habits are like and how much you're still doing yourself And then once you've started that, you can get the quick wins. So, you know, less time doing this, that and the other. And then you can buy your time back by getting other people to do certain things. And one of the simplest ones, I'm not sure what it's like where you live, but in the UK, like more and more, especially with the pandemic, we can order our food online from the supermarket. Where in the past, lots of us used to go to the supermarket every week. That's a lot of time. That's probably an hour, two hours every week. So I'm always looking for ways and places you can just steal your time back. Like if you're a mother and you're cooking food for your family, I say this all the time to to my clients who are like that. Bring your family into the kitchen and cook the food with them. Because I guarantee you that while you're doing an activity that is kind of a bit mindful, they'll start talking to you. And then it's not like you're, their servant taking the food dinner's ready come come and sit down at the table you're also teaching them a life skill and they're sort of just enjoying being with you and you're enjoying being with them and it's a collaborative exercise and then that saves you time that saves them time and everybody's happy so there's all sorts of like quick and easy little ways I mean I could share so many but that's just a couple that I I think would benefit your audience
0: I love this so much because, yeah, all of those little time hacks. I, I'm wondering about, I keep hearing in my head, how do you stretch time? And one of the things that I practice is I go for a 30 minute walk in nature every day. Like that's one of my practices for my well being. Mm-hmm. In doing so, I feel like I stretch time because when I come back to my desk to work, I am more productive. I'm more efficient. I get a lot of times when I'm moving my body specifically outside, I get these, what I call divine downloads. I feel like intuitively, okay, this is the next thing I need to do for my business, or this is the, the, the friend I need to call or whatever it is. And so I describe that practice of walking as a time stretcher because it feels like, even though it's not intuitive for me to do that at the beginning of a day, when I have a hundred things that feel important, it actually is the most important thing for me to do, because then I'm so much more productive and creative and happy. So I'm curious how you tie in the well-being aspect to this because, not all time is equal. Like it, it is literally equal, I guess, but like energetically it's not equal. Right. So I would love to hear how, how that resonates with you.
1: Yeah. I love, love, love that. So we've, we've done our strategic, so let's go a little bit back to the spiritual again then. So yes, truly not all time is equal. Um, and anything is what you believe it is. So if you believe, then, it, then that is how it is for you. All time is equal. If you are prepared to get into the helicopter of possibility and just kind of look down on the world and say, but hang on a minute when I do this, this happens, so of course not, then you create your own reality based on your thoughts, so I would never argue with anybody, you believe what you believe, and that's it, so okay, but if we're talking about possibility, then totally what you're saying, and the funny thing is that in you sharing that that's your process, and in me sharing that that's also my process, but then sharing that it doesn't always feel easy, it doesn't always feel Um, what's right there is a a voice that I have to override very quickly in the morning to say no we're going for the walk the voice is like no we need to get to work I'm like the walk is the work and the voice is like no 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 we've got work to do I'm like this is the work we need to do and if we think of ourselves as like a human battery what we need to do to top up our battery. And so time in nature is topping up our battery. There's a great book that I sort of did research on and have referenced it in my book, and it's called The Art of Rest by a woman called Claudia Hammond. And they did a heck of a lot of scientific research into the benefits of restful activity. So gazing away from your computer while you're working, looking out of the window, um, seeing art, uh, that's got nature on it, but being in nature. So being in nature is the best thing. But if you were to look at a picture of nature, you can still stimulate certain parts of your brain to help you to really connect. And what I guess we're talking about, sort of, to be a little bit more scientific, is really our um, our rest and digest versus our fight and flight, our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So when we're doing these exercises. Out in nature and so we are calming our nervous system and when we calm our nervous system we can hear our intuition until we calm our nervous system what we're operating on is what we've been taught and what we've been taught is what's been handed down and what's been handed down the the best way I could describe it in my own language is it's old data so if we imagine like we are. living walking talking computer and we have been programmed with code we've got old code in there we've got new code and then we've already got pre-existing code that we came with from the factory settings so our job is to clear everything out so that we can tune in and hear ourselves and the funny thing is Elizabeth I never would have spoken like this 10 years ago
0: Really? Yes. That
1: makes sense though, because Abigail, what you described,
0: I was realizing, you know, when you said, even though we can know that a walk in nature is going to feel good, it can still feel like a hard choice to make because there's, there's that voice in our head saying we should get to work. And to me, that voice is society. That is what you were dealing with before you had your stroke, which is that, our society, our world really celebrates exhaustion and busyness as a badge of honor. I mean, how often do we get together and we're like, I'm just so exhausted. I'm so busy. I'm so, I'm so this, I'm so that. Right. And, and it's like, I think there's that fear of if I slow down, I'm, I'm, people are going to pass me by. Right. Or, and I, and I think, it is, it's almost like a subconscious thing that we get to work with. And that's part of why I'm so grateful for my walking ritual, because it really has become a habit and a ritual, but you're totally right. The first month to three months, probably at least three months, it wasn't a habit. It was something I've really had to like talk myself into, I was struggling with extreme fatigue and I would just, I would be like, all I want to do is lay down in my bed and I would just go lace up my sneakers instead. And it was so freaking hard to do the most simple thing, which is go on a walk. So it's really interesting that I love how you just said 10 years ago, I would never have spoken in this way. And that you know, it's part of my goal this year is to keep sharing this message that we as entrepreneurs, as, as business professionals, as mamas, as humans in the world, however you identify, we get to build our lives from a different paradigm. We don't have to subscribe to the notion that we have to burn ourselves out and fall on the sword and sacrifice ourselves because that is success. I no longer want to subscribe to that. And I see like, this is so empowering and it's such a cool, it's a, it's so cool to hear and watch how you have landed in this place that you were in corporate America, working, doing everything that you, that was fed to you, which is, this is what success is Prada, Prosecco planes, all, all the things And then you realize I still don't feel good. I'm still unhappy.
1: I mean, it's just incredible. So I was in corporate um, UK, but it's very similar to corporate America, I would imagine. But um, so there's two things I just want to say. So the first thing is that part of the reason why we're reluctant to go for the walk and do the stuff is because of society and the programming but the other part of it is because of how our brain's been programmed to keep us safe so our brain just likes to know that that we're safe and that if you go sit down and work nothing's going to happen if you go off for a walk anything could happen so some of it is like the brain just trying to be like needing certainty the second thing that i want to say in this whole part of the conversation And this is something that I've only really started to realise the more I've done personal development on myself. And it started by going into my money mindset, which is a part of the personal development journey that more and more people are really becoming aware of. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And what I started to recognise with the stories that we The majority of humans tell about money is the same stories that we tell about time. I don't have enough. Everybody else has more than me. I can't have it. It's hard to have it. It's hard to get it. It's always running away from me. And they just go on and on and on and on and on. So Elizabeth, I sat there and I went, it's about self-worth. Time management is about self-worth. If I believe I'm worth it, I will say no to that. I won't take that call. I'll do that thing. I won't do this thing. If I don't believe I'm worth it, I will prioritize everybody else. In my book, I talk about six archetypes. One of them is called the Care Bear. And I base this partly on myself and my own upbringing of sort of being around people who just look after everybody else. And it's that analogy of the the oxygen mask, put it on first, because you can't help other people on the plane. So perhaps people have noticed this pattern during the pandemic. It's like they're so busy helping everybody else, but who's helping them? Well, you need to help you. So it's about self-worth. And then to just link it back to the whole thing about money, it's about an abundance mindset and time is an abundance so there's always enough time to get everything done that you need to get done so when you start to think about how you're talking to yourself about time and changing that mantra like we change the mantra for money like we change the mantra for relationship like we change the mantra for everything else why wouldn't we speak more abundantly about time there's always enough time I always get it done I always get there on time So I had this really weird thing, probably more before the pandemic than after, because I haven't really gone to many places. But I would always say, I will arrive at this time. And within a minute, I will always arrive at that time because I totally detached from the journey and how I got there. The universe knew this was the time. They told me when to leave and I left. And you're talking about like time changing. I would arrive to places in a time that was unrealistic to arrive there. This is going down the rabbit hole now. And it's because I totally detach from the need to control. But if I overthought it, if I looked at my watch, if I said a story like, oh, that, no, that's, that, no, I definitely need half an hour for that. Late. So abundance and manifesting is... 100% down to your mindset. Wow. That is
0: so powerful. I love how you connected how we talk and think about money and time is so similar and I've done a lot of work on money mindset as well as an entrepreneur. It's like an ongoing process forever I feel like, but as as are all all things in life. Um but Wow. I, I love, yeah, I love the practice of non-attachment. And so I'm curious just to connect these dots. So how does practicing non-attachment in relation to time, can you bring that into like the tangible, like, what is, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that feel like?
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Sometimes it's hard to articulate or to tangibilize an intangible, but if we come from some very basic fundamentals, like I'm always supported, I'm infinitely supported. Um, Everything that I need comes to me. The universe has always got my back. When it comes to what I need to do, I will intuitively know I trust myself. I will have enough time and so it's really about reframing the fears the worries the anxieties yeah but what if it doesn't because when you flick a switch in your head and you understand i can spend this next 60 seconds worrying or i can spend this next 60 seconds believing the two sides of the same coin it is a choice but one will get me what I want and one will get me further away. And I understand because I have found sort of through the pandemic and everything, that anxiety and fear and worry has got more and more and more. I'm an empath um, and having sort of PTSD type symptoms almost after the stroke means that I am sort of more aware of things. But where my attention goes, my energy flows. So I become the observer and I go, interesting, I'm starting to go there. What am I reading? What am I watching? Have I been for a walk? Have I drunk water? <laughs> Have I had too much coffee? And you start to do the research on all of the things. Have I eaten certain things that just trigger it? And you become the scientist of your own life. So I would never say that I am, you know, a dietitian, yada, yada, all these things, but I am for myself. So I would encourage anybody else to become that scientist for for yourself, for your own life.
0: Yeah, I love that. I always say you're the expert of your own body. You're the best expert of your own body. You are the guru of your body because you are in your body and only you know how a certain food is going to make you feel or if what movement feels good in your body, what movement feels safe, what relationship feels safe, right? It's it's your inner landscape. It's your experience. So
1: you are the expert of your own body. I love that. hundred percent. And when you also understand that what is triggering you is helping you. So then you don't need to avoid things or avoid people. Everything is a lesson. You can ask the universe to to change the person who's teaching you. You know, it might be that a family member is one of your greatest teachers and you, you might be a bit over that family member teaching you. You can say, okay, Uh, enough I'd I'd like a different teacher Um, but we have the lessons to evolve because that's what we came here to do and it's about trying to find the joy and the fun in all of it and I really feel like the fun and the enjoyment is what 2022 is going to be all about is leaning in to the the fear, the the worry, the the edge of the comfort zone, and it's recognizing that if we're not always daily on the edge of the comfort zone, we're sliding back to the sofa, and the sofa is a comfortable place to be, but the sofa is not where we came to live. Mm,
0: that is so good. Okay, let's slide slide away from the sofa. No. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Stepping in, stepping into, or I'm sorry, stepping out of our comfort zone. And I think the other thing that I've learned is that fear, fear is a friend. Fear is just a teacher and a signal kind of like, as you're saying a trigger, if you're being triggered, it's, it's here to help you See what's available and what what is being brought up, and it's it's an opportunity to transmute and transform that. And um, and I also I think from an entrepreneurial standpoint, fear. I, I'm learning that fear is just part of living a very big and bold and brave and audacious life because you're stepping out of your comfort zone and that is scary and, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. I think it, it does go back to that primal instinct, right. Of, you know, that's why we want to hide on the sofa. I love how you brought it back to the sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system and, and really finding ways to, um, add more practices into your time that are going to feed your parasympathetic nervous system, your, your rest and digest and, and give you that space. Um, so you can not be living in that chronic fight or flight state, which so many of us are in. So I love, I love
1: that. And and what if, because it's, I'm, I'm the queen of reframes. Like I just love them. I do them on myself all the time. What if fear was actually a call, and we take that call rather than go, no, 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 We take that call and we're like, hello? And they're like, you're doing great, keep going. And you're like, what? So what if fear is actually a positive call of keep going? So if we reframe it, and if we're not feeling the fear, then we're too cozy. And on the entrepreneurial journey, it is a daily thing of learning. So for full transparency for your audience, my current nemesis is Instagram Live. I, you know, I'm super nervous about doing it and was making up all of these stories. And then I spoke to somebody last week. He was like, we're just going to do it. And we did it. And it was an absolute, in my head, you know, the story I told was it was an absolute car crash. It was a disaster because it kept cutting out. You couldn't hear me. You couldn't see him. La, 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 la. But we did it. And at the end, I really felt a ridiculous sense of victory, like, yes. And then I did one today on my own. It was absolutely fine. And nothing crashed, nothing stopped. And it worked yeah every single step as these entrepreneurs it's just another step out of the comfort zone and then we're we're introducing a video to it we're introducing an audio to it we might be on an audio platform having to having to talk without video and learn how to do that we might be on you know and then we go back to speaking in person again so I usually speak on stages in person and I'm a bit like wow I'm going to have to really practice this wearing the high heels and standing and, and wearing full clothes because, you know, quite often it's like just on the top. <laughs> it's, <laughs> but it's all again, it's and it's that muscle memory of just kind of, I've done it before, I can do it again. But how you're talking to yourself and recognizing that the clock is ticking for all of us, no one knows how long they've got. And that's when it comes back to time. Your time is your most valuable commodity so recognizing how you're wasting it if you want things to change will set you free so time auditing will set you free acknowledging i'm not using it in the most respectful way for myself will set you free making an agreement with yourself about okay it's time it's going to change will set you free creating a new plan will set you free because it's all for you and it's And I think the thing with time management is probably like it harks a bit back to school when the teacher was like, stop wasting your time or yada, yada. And we rebel against it. We're like, oh, no. But the reality is, as we sort of progress through life, get older, if you like, um, it's ours. So I, I have this phrase that I use and I share with everybody. It's your time. It's your time. So here's a call to arms for your audience. Whatever people are hoping, dreaming, wanting, it's your time. Start that side hustle. Ask for that pay rise. Make that call. Ask that person out. Reply to that email. Say no to that thing. It's your time. Clock's ticking. When are you going to do it? Because it might be your last opportunity.
0: Mm. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That was so inspiring. And I know everyone is going to want to pick up a copy of your book. So we will be sure to link the link. (laughs) We will link the link.
1: Leave the link in the show notes.
0: (laughs) We will be sure to leave the link in the show notes so you all can pick up a copy of Abigail's book. And if they want to follow your journey, where, where can they hang out with you? Where, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram as Aban's author, connect with me on LinkedIn, or if you are on Clubhouse, I also hang out there as well. I love it. Well, I can't wait.
0: You and I should do an Instagram live together because I love doing lives and I think we would have so much fun doing one together. So let's, let's plan one of those together. It's a date. I'm Elizabeth Marbury, and I want to thank you for being here. Let's keep the dance party going by hanging out on social media together. You can follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Marberry or dance with me on TikTok at Wedding Dance Coach. If you love today's show, be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.